Hello, I, I think we're live. Did we do it? I think we did it. We did it? Are we here? We almost didn't it. <laughs> but, but we didn't did it. Didn't it. You guys, we didn't it. Did, yeah, yeah, we're here. <laughs> Welcome back to the At Nerdvana Live podcast. Uh, this is yet another episode. We've had a couple weeks of hiatus. We've uh, we've changed a couple of things, and as you can tell, uh, it hasn't made us any more uh, capable. But uh, we're doing the best we can here. Uh, special thanks. I think we've got uh, Nolan in the booth, and we've got uh, Joe doing call screening for us. Hi, this is a weekly live call-in show. We're streamed uh, via YouTube and Twitch, and you can also download us as a podcast on iTunes and other cool places where you can find audio podcasts. Which won't work as a live call-in if you download it as the podcast. If you download it as a podcast, you'll be sorely disappointed if you try to call into the podcast. If you're watching right now, we are live. We are at Nerdvana. Uh, I am Randy Pitchford. I am your host. Uh, My co-host is Randy Varnell. So today you are between two Randys. (laughs) And we are currently broadcasting live from Frisco, Texas from the at Nerdvana coffee shop and at nerdvana food plus spirits if you have not been if you are in north dallas somewhere or want to drive here it's pretty rad uh at nerdvana food plus spirits is a video game themed restaurant and bar which has amazing food and you can play video games while you're hanging out uh you can even see some of the coffee shop behind us where you can play board games and get some of the best locally roasted single source coffee on earth it's really good stuff. Uh, ironically, um, I do not drink coffee, nor do I drink alcohol. And behind me is a coffee shop, and in front of me is a bar. And that's the way the world works. Uh, but we are live, and we are going to take your calls. If you'd like to talk to us and call in, you can ask us any question you'd like. You can bring up any topic you'd like, and we will do a good job at dodging uh, <laughs> dodging anything dangerous, but stepping right in some minds, I'm sure. Uh, because this is a live call-in show, that means anything can happen. So uh, hopefully it will. Hopefully it will. And uh, like the format, we're going to be us for a couple minutes, and then we'll see if we've got anybody that wants to talk to us, and then we'll take a call. Uh, if if uh, uh, well, we got some callers already calling in, so I think it'll be fine. But if uh, if we need to kill time, we've got some other topics we can call talk about that might be interesting to you guys. And uh, I think that's I think that's it for the intro. I think we should just jump into it. Let's do it. Okay, so what, what what were we going to talk about? We're going to talk about a couple of things. Uh, uh, always talked about you know we we spend a lot of our, our weeks talking about story and character development that's right. and those topics so we yeah, can so, certainly riff on that. So if you guys don't know, so obviously I uh, I'm I'm accountable for all the things that Gearbox does. Uh, Randy is on the uh, on on a narrative team right now. He's he's actually producer of the narrative team for an unannounced project. Prior to that, he was creative director of Battleborn. Prior to that, he was narrative or sorry uh, design, producer. design producer of Board. Borderlands 2. Uh, Randy's been involved in a lot of projects at Gearbox over the years, and it's always a pleasure to work with Randy. And oh, Randy and I are working together a lot right now because we're both on the narrative team for an upcoming unannounced project. That's pretty exciting. And so we've been we've been going through this, and we do table reads with our scripts, and we're <laughs> going through casting right now. Yes. And what are some of the other things that we're uh, maybe we talk about some of the process? We talk about you know all of our games. You know, like I I, I think Battleborn is the safe recent you know <laughs> corollary to talk about. You know. 
we, we love characters. And, yes. And we, in fact, you know, the whole premise behind Battleborn is we wanted to kind of kind of leverage on that strength and build a game full of characters. How many characters can we jam in as player characters that's, that's in one right. video game? Yeah, and we had like 30 player characters there. And I think when you get in the campaign, there were another 20 or 30, you know, NPCs that they interact with in yeah. the course of the story. So we spend a lot of our time talking about characters. What makes characters interesting? What yeah. makes them unique? How do you how do you make them different from one another? Yeah. I mean, there's a whole whole slew of topics there. But it, it, it's a lot of work and uh, from a lot of people. But, you know, it, it's like so many things. That we, we start with an idea, yeah. which is usually a group of us get at a table. We imagine, you know, what the, what the game or what the story is about. And then you, you, start, you start at the top. You know, who's your protagonist? Who's your antagonist? Sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes you start, sometimes you start with random weird ideas, you know, that just kind of just kind of stick and get in there. Uh, well, in fact, in, in Battleborn, we did this exercise, and we talked about it several times, but where we, we had some of our, our great concept artists at Gearbox literally oh, draw so much fun. hundreds and hundreds yeah. and hundreds of pictures. There was a, there was a time in that, in that project where we Created had anything. all of those laid out on a table, and I would have people come by and, and just, like, which character leaps out to you? Yeah. yeah and it was really cool. Uh, you know, there, there, of course, a lot of different opinions. Everybody yeah, yeah, has a different yeah, opinion. Yeah. But there were two or three that started to surface at the top. And in fact, if you know, for for any Battleborn fans that, that are out there, uh, Marquis de Caliber, uh-huh, uh-huh. uh, Phoebe, yeah, uh, Rindy, all and of these Thorn came, yeah. were ones that were in that that like that initial almost almost unchanged from their initial concept art. You it's know, we, so we cool when that happens. Because yeah. it happens in a lot of different directions. Sometimes a character starts with an image, yeah. but sometimes it starts with a premise, like how we want to use the character. Not necessarily, we don't know what the character is yet, right. what they sound like, what they look like, but we know we need somebody to do this certain function in the story. Right. Uh, sometimes we start, like for playables or for gameplay interaction, sometimes we start from a gameplay perspective. Like what something needs to take place from the game simulation point of view. Okay, character's going to have to do that job. And then we invent the character to fill that in. Uh, and sometimes, sure. um, uh, some, one of my favorite places, and this is not always where we start from, but sometimes uh, it, it influences at some point. My favorite thing is drawing from the real world. Oh, yeah. Because there are <laughs> crazy people in the real world. The real world is filled with unbelievable characters. With, without a doubt. And, and when yeah, I say yeah, unbelievable, yeah, yeah. I mean that <laughs> some of these characters that if you took them as is, like I'm talking about real people, if you took them as is and presented them as fiction, we wouldn't buy it because they're just too insane. They're just too out there. They're freaking crazy. Yeah, it, it's yeah. yeah. What's your what's your favorite example of, of where we pulled from that? Do you do you have a do you have an anecdote? Which um, well, let's see. There's 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 a character that's not in a game yet. That is something. Um, do you, you know Wade, our general counsel? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. So there's this guy back from where we grew up, <laughs> and this guy, his name is. I'll t- I'll just say it because I have no idea. He's probably not. I'm sure he's not listening, and he'd have no idea. This will never get back to him. So why not? His name is Kennison. And he is, man, this poor dude, (laughs) he is angry all the time and he's really belligerent and he's like, uh, he, he's, uh, he once got in a fight with the, with the window of a car, uh, because he claimed it was looking at him funny and he punched it and knocked the window out and cut his finger. So he's like, (laughs) yeah, and and, and he has this weird vocal tick where he adds the word woo to everything. (laughs) Yo man, what's up? Woo. (laughs) <laughs> and he just, Woo. yo, man, what's going on, Woo? Woo? <laughs> and he just I, does, yeah. And that's he's just interesting, like, Woo. Yeah, he's like, oh, whoa, whoa, Woo. <laughs> it's just this weird tick where he adds the word Woo to any, just inserts in the middle of sentences, uh, at the end of sentences, and he gets really mad. Uh, he cusses a lot. 
uh, <laughs> I don't know if I want to. <laughs> I had a. I'll, I'll censor myself, <laughs> but I think we need to work this guy into the. He feels like he should be related to Crazy Earl in some way. <laughs> <laughs> what you want? Yeah. He's like, uh, we joked, Wade and I were talking about him. We joked, maybe he's like, um, uh, he's like, yeah, man, I'm a, uh, I got, I'm a, <laughs> what was, uh, uh, Crazy Earl's my, 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 uh, he's my third brother. I got a quarter sister too, but she got all effed up, you know, like, <laughs> what's the third brother? How do you have a third, a third brother? Yeah. A you third can, brother? Uh, you can have like a half brother. A half, well, uh, uh, one. So you're one third brother. Yeah, so. he's he my one third brother. <laughs> he my one third. Hey, can you maybe you can take the levels down a little bit? I hear myself popping. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to blow anybody's ears out. Yeah, but yeah, uh, what's how do you have a one third brother? One third brother. So a, ha a half brother. So it would be like your. If you have a half brother, how does it even work? It's not possible. No, I'm but he could to, throw that in there, right, and, right, and right. anybody that picks up on it—they're all half brothers. Oh yeah, because that have, would be like some if you have a half anomaly, right? If you have a half yeah. brother, you have one parent that's your blood parent, and the other parent that's not. Right. Which suggests that to be a half brother, like all all mating happens with two people. So, so if like you're a if third you were, brother, that maybe you're adopted, or for a third brother to happen, you'd have to have a mating experience that requires three people. Oh, we're yeah, only we're, one of the we're three. Not, we're not there yet. <laughs> which, so, which is a whole level of science fiction. Right. Well, speak, I was watching, uh, in fact, I was watching The, the Expanse uh, on Amazon okay. Prime. And uh, they're in a, no, it was, a, yeah, it was an Expanse. And they, they actually deal with that. It's set in the future, and there are apparently pools of, of genetics that come in that. And they were asking complex questions like that, like, who was, you know, who were your parents? And it was like, which of the six you want to pick? And they actually had to get down to like, okay, who was your, they used some term, it was like, who is your gestating mother or something like that <laughs> to try to figure out what the You know, I heard blood, about that. I yeah. should check that. Is that any good? Oh, that show is fantastic. Yeah, yeah it's, awesome. it's, it's high sci-fi. It takes okay. it very seriously, but it's really well done. I've, I've enjoyed that a lot. That's great. That's great. There's, um, yeah, there's there's so many great, like, so, so one of the other things I love is, um, I like uh, the the Christopher Guest movies. <laughs> okay, the, we, are we going to talk about? Chicken, I, I think I might. I think people. I might because so Christopher Guest makes these documentaries like Spinal Tap and Best in Show and Waiting for Guffman, and he so like good. they develop characters <laughs> yeah. for these films, and I really respect that process because they get some really interesting extreme characters. Some of the characters in Waiting for Guffman are some of my favorite characters <laughs> of all time. The, uh, I also like Coen Brothers movies yeah. for that purpose. Yeah, I good. think The Big Lebowski might be the greatest motion picture ever made. All right, all right. You know, it's a uh, it's con controversial opinion, but the characters You know, are it's just, just like your opinion, exceptional. man. Exceptional. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and Brant, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> there's just so many good characters uh, in that film and uh, in all their films, frankly. But uh, there's there's this documentary that my wife turned me on to recently. I, I, did you watch it? I have. I've I, you watch I went home and watched it. We talked about it. So it's it, it feels just like one of those one of those get Christopher Guest movies. I but mean, it's, it's real. It's called Chicken People. Right, and, and it's a, it's about people it's a, who raise show chickens. It is, and it's a legitimate documentary about people who raise show chickens. I now know a lot more and about show chickens than I ever thought existed. And it's real, and <laughs> yeah. all the characters are real, and some of the characters are just amazing. And when they uh, when they cut away, like oh my, it's just 
there's so much it's a mine it's it's a gold mine of of content that I, I'm gonna farm it's <laughs> it, like all those it, it's interesting because you know that one is actually a real documentary about real people and in the first half you're, you're thinking it's gonna it really is gonna turn into one of those mockumentaries because yes. the personalities are so extreme of these people whose life are caught up in, in I've, I've bathed 17 chickens today I'm like I it's the first time I've even contemplated giving a chicken a yes, bath, right? Yes. And they have all these techniques and con- like uh, chemicals that they, you know, like the right type of hairspray to spray the, on the chicken feathers to get it the exact right type of sheen so the judges, uh, the judges will will approve. Hey, should we? Um, I've got. I actually have a caller that wants Ooh. to talk about characters. All right, and we've awesome. got another co- character that, like, caller that wants to talk about combining stuff. So, like, let's take. Let's start, and then we'll we'll cut back sure. if we need to. Cool. Um, let's see if this works. We're gonna get the first caller. Hey, Alex, can you hear me? Hello. Yeah. Hey, Alex, uh, you're on the air with Randy and Randy. Uh, I think we we have technology serving us today. Yes. How, how, where are you calling from, Alex? I'm calling from uh, Maryland. Awesome, awesome. Well, thanks for calling. How's your day going? It's going great. Uh, nice talking to you both. Cool. Right on. Well, thanks for calling in. Uh, what do you, what's on your mind? What do you want to talk about? Uh, I I kind of wanted to wonder like uh, how you guys would take uh, or deal with the character development from Tales from the Borderlands and like compare that with like the main series Borderlands oh, and I, see. I guess like. I feel, yeah. Yeah, I mean, in general, or do you want to get specific? I mean, I we when we well, worked with the Tales guys, just so you know, we wanted to count that as canonical. So we generally, yeah, no, no, no. we generally uh, uh, think that what took place in Tales is canonical. The only places where it's not are whether it's it, where wherever it's contradictory to something we we either have already established that we care about or something that we feel like we need to do. <laughs> and that's that's kind of few and far between. It's pretty we, far, we, yeah. we're, You know, we, we've thought a lot about that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that goes well. But but I think your question's great, and, and, and you could apply it almost to any IP, right? What's what's really awesome is, and about Borderlands, you know, is we've, we've enough people have enjoyed Borderlands that we were able to partner with people like Telltale to make yeah. a tale, you know, so we're inviting other people into our franchise to build on, you know, the bases. Of course it had some of our, you know, had zero and had some other Fiona and some yeah. other characters in there that were interesting. Mm-hmm. And then they, they built on that. So Athena, uh, was Athena was Athena, yeah she was used in Tales I believe yeah I yes think. Athena Athena's in there quite yeah. a bit and and Zero yeah. and then of course Jack in a form sure. you know spoilers yeah. uh, make you know makes right. a, makes an appearance uh, I, I think you know Randy's already hit on a lot of it with that particularly when you're bringing other people to work in on your franchise you know we we had people in our studio that were involved heavily with Borderlands that that did a lot of consulting i think anthony birch did a lot of work with those yeah. guys you know he was pretty fresh off of borderlands too uh m- multiple of our staff and several producers i know james lopez had a lot yeah. to do with that and and people here uh so we work a and lot with them we developed you know we we started with brain, joint brainstorming sessions and that was yeah. that was a fun process and then it resulted in them going back into the tank and creating some outlines and then they'd come and pitch those to us and we'd have a few notes and we'd do another brainstorming session and we did that a few times and that led to the the story development so anyway yeah. like what, what i'm curious like what your angle on that is though like what what do you what are you curious about what do you want to know about um well, specifically, I, I played through Tales from the Borderlands like a couple months ago, 
and like I had not seen any of the gameplay prior to it. Yeah. And I just felt myself more attached to the main character's recent Fiona than I did any of the Vault Hunters in any of the games. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I guess that's course. like part part of like the system of tales from the Borderlands and Telltale it, games, and that's like their whole spiel. It's the power. But like, it's the power. How, of how would you guys like? Yeah, it's the power of storytelling. It's one of the reasons why I wanted that project to happen. Why why I endorsed it and and enabled it and mm-hmm. you know approved of it and participated in it is because when we launched the Borderlands games and achieved the success we did with the games, obviously I'm very proud of that, but I wanted to discover how much of that success is due to the game mechanics of looting and leveling up and the moment to moment fun of of the shooting gameplay the way we simulated it and what beyond that did we actually have? Did we have a universe that can yeah. support meaningful, engaging storytelling? And th- that was a really important question for me to answer in order to assess to what extent we had a viable franchise that could cross media. And the Tales Project absolutely affirmed that. Because I was able to get engaged with the storytelling in a game that had no shooting, had no looting, had no leveling up, I was confident that the universe could support that kind of entertainment and that led to things like the movie deal we did there's a movie in development for borderlands there's not going to be any gameplay mm-hmm. in the movie at all less gameplay than what's entails when you watch the movie but i'm, I'm confident it's going to be great as a, as a result of of uh what we the step that was taken and we all pro- proved together between tales uh, great work on tales from the borderlands and gearbox collaboration with them uh i and i'll tell you it, it also it also, uh, what you said about how you're more engaged with the main player characters in Tales than you are with the player characters in Borderlands, uh, that betrays why we made the decision in Borderlands 2 to bring back the player characters from Borderlands 1, not as player characters, but as NPCs. Because as NPCs, they could contribute more to the story. And I, I bet that players became more attached to characters like Roland and Lilith and Brick and Mordecai yeah. through the experience we had with them in Borderlands 2 than the experience we had being them, playing as them in Borderlands 1. And I think that that also contributes to the power of storytelling as a medium for engagement uh, yeah. Yeah. I know, I know one of the things we, we talk a lot about in, in kind of narrative design is, you know, h- how much do you, how much do we tell the story of the main players in a game like Borderlands? You know, Borderlands 1, we were very much, it's, they're an empty shell, make them whatever you want. And it wasn't until they were, they were NPCs with speaking yeah. lines and plot points and all that in Borderlands 2 that you really fleshed out that personality. And, you know, as we moved on, like like Borderlands Two did a little bit, and then pre sequel went even further, where, where we we're giving a little bit more of the personality uh, to those those characters as they come out. They have speaking lines. They'll interact with the NPCs. They'll say something that so you have a little bit more sense of their identities. But that's always something yeah. we've kind of debated internally, right? Because you don't want to take away that ownership from the player. It's an RPG. You, know, it, you it, want it to feel a, that. It is a trade off. When we made the decision to have a very specific look and style to the player characters and name them. We're kind of committing the player to becoming yeah. a role instead of the character, the player defining a role. Uh, right. That said, uh, when we characterize the player characters from BL1 as NPCs in, play, in BL2, we had to develop those characters yeah. much more than we ever imagined in, in Borderlands 1. And some players did not like the direction we took them in. Like some players objected 
to the idea that Mordecai was a drunk, basically, <laughs> and uh, and other <laughs> other ideas like that, because they had spent so much time playing as Mordecai when he was more of a shell of a character, and they imbibed their own values onto that character yeah. uh, as 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 they as themselves. Spent basically. hundreds of hours with that character. Yeah. It feels like a bit of me, you know. Yes, I, exactly. I decided, you know, what he shot, what what gun he had. I decided what he looked like. I decided where he went and. When you suddenly, you know, take that and you change that on the player, that that's a little bit different. You know, other other games, RPGs struggle with the same type of thing, but take a much more heavy-handed approach. Like, you know, you play Witcher three, you know, you're going to play that in first person. But you know, uh, uh, Geralt of Rivia is a character. He says lines, and and it switches the cutscenes where you see him. You know, third. You know, incidentally, there, there are a lot of MMOs that have found that like uh, that halfway. Like I, I think about um, the the. Um, uh, Star Wars MMO that came out a few years ago from the guys down at a, a Bioware. And they would do a lot of things where it, when it would do a cutscene, they would still do the storytelling aspect. They would switch to a third-person cutscene where you would see your character and whatever you were wearing and all of that. And you could choose from some dialogue, you know, kind of that classic mm -hmm. Bioware yep. you know, option. So, you know, there, there's been some people that have tried some different takes on that. But, uh, you know, I, I think we're still, we're still playing with it. We're still you know, looking for ways to... to Walk that line. As a designer, though, I can have fun at any point in the spectrum. Like yeah. one of the, when I was working in the Half Life universe, it was really fun to think about character development with a character that was a total shell, right? The the player character in Half Life and in Opposing Force and in Blue Shift, Blue Shift not so much. More so in Half Life and um, Half Life Opposing Force, the character never spoke. Mm -hmm. Aside from seeing the picture of the character on the cover of the box, you never saw the character in game. Mm -hmm. And right. <laughs> the only clues you can have about the personality and identity of the character is how the other characters in the game, all the NPCs reacted to you and interacted with you in first person. And these were games made in you know, 98, 99, uh, in 2000. So that interaction was very light. And yet, in that era, you will have players that will tell you that, you know, Gordon Freeman is one of the most defined, you know, characters in video games up to that point, or uh, Adrian Shepard, an opposing force, you know, and, and it's, that was a fun. It's fun to overcome that as a challenge. How do I define a character without the character ever talking, without ever seeing an expression on the character's face, and having 100% of the behavior of that character controlled by the player controls themselves? And, uh, and you can do the opposite. Like we can make a movie where the player has no agency and you can define the character in a cutscene, right? And, and there's a whole spectrum between those two points. And it's fun as a designer to kind of decide where are we at and how are we going to succeed given where we've picked our lane. So Borderlands picks its lane as wanting to define the character of the person that you are role-playing as, uh, but still giving you enough agency where all the gameplay simulation is up yeah, to you. Yeah. And the place where gameplay simulation con conflates with character and personality is where it gets really interesting, right? You could have, for example, let's imagine a fictional Borderlands 2 character that's very conscientious, very empathetic, and you put that player playing that character in a co-op game with a human being behind it that's very competitive and going to be the first to loot all the chests and keep all the stuff for themselves. <laughs> and there's, there'll be a conflict between right. the player character's personality coming through in the in the character's behavior and the way the character is is uh represented by the story inside the game fiction hmm. and that's to me that's that's fun um hey i have a 
I have an interesting complication here, Nolan. Um, your computer logged out, and I can't access the dashboard anymore. Can you log? Can you log us back in? Sorry for the interruption there. Um, hey, is there anything else uh, before I let you go uh, that you want to talk about? Uh, no, that's it. Thanks for your time. Hey, man. Thanks Great for call. calling. Thank it's a really fun topic. I could actually spend hours on that topic <laughs> alone. Um, <laughs> we, we do every week. <laughs> thanks for calling, Alex. I uh, hope, hope things are well and hope you enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Cheers. Absolutely. You too. So that was fun. That was a good one. I like talking about character. Um, we've got a... We've got some other uh, guys, but hey, by the way, if you're watching and you want to talk to us, feel free to call in. The number's on the screen. Uh, uh, it's um, we're, we're right now. We're mostly we tend to prefer the phone number calls before the the Discord calls. So if you if you want to get ahead of the queue, uh, use the, use the phone number um, and uh, and we'll get to you as fast as we can. I'm going to take one more really quick yeah, and then we'll chat it. for a few minutes. Um, uh, let's see if we can get Nicholas on the line here. And I clicked it, and it's happening. And Nicholas, are you there? Uh, yeah, I'm here. Hey, Nicholas, thanks for calling. This is Randy, and you're on Randy. at Nirvana Live podcast with Randy and Randy. <laughs> and uh, thanks for calling. Hello, Randy and Randy. Where are you calling from, Nicholas? Um, Milton, Massachusetts. Oh wow, what's the weather like up there? You guys okay? Uh, thankfully, I didn't get hit pretty hard, okay. but a lot of other places still are lost some power but i hear it's pretty gnarly up there uh i had i had a friend that was in new york city that managed to get out before the most recent storm uh but man uh good luck uh and i, I hope you and and yours are safe up there with all the crazy winter weather um what do you want to talk about today Nicholas? so this might be a little off topic but um for a while now i had an, an interesting idea we'll make the topic okay. so <laughs> Yeah. So for a while I had an interesting idea and I think a lot of fans have probably had the same idea, but what if like maybe in the future you guys do end up making a Borderlands one remake, uh -huh. but you don't just make Borderlands one, you add Borderlands two and the pre-sequel as one complete game. Yeah. Basically it's like all 16 vault hunters could go anywhere in the series. doesn't matter of like, like they're going into the Borderlands two areas with, the Borderlands pre-sequel guys or vice versa, or just anyone could go anywhere. Did you, did you hear that? Like, did you hear that? Randy, what, did you hear that? What was that? I think I heard every one of our level designers simultaneously <laughs> having a heart attack. <laughs> did you hear that? Yeah, yeah. I think I heard them all stroking out. <laughs> I, I, but by the way, I love this idea. We've talked about it inside of gearbox. Uh, one of the challenges is the characters all have different capabilities and uh, the work involved in allowing, for example, uh, Brick to navigate through the environments of Borderlands 2 and the pre-sequel, uh, that, that's one set of work. And then there's the other set of work of, of how to deal with Claptrap's uh, height in all three, the, uh, all the games. <laughs> there's, there's a myriad of different technical... Yeah, I yeah. Mean, if you, Interaction what, skills, yeah. oh my God. <laughs> uh, character height is a is, is certainly a big one. You know, believe it or not, you know we we kind of change and play with the scale on that every game. And yeah. like every time we start a game, we we actually start with what's the biggest and what's the smallest. And all of the levels, because once once a level's built, man, that that thing's kind of baked in. 
and you it's like brick it's like height and width and everything and you have to be sure in, in Battleborn we had the Montana factor you know he was yeah. like and we you have to eventually you have to draw a line in the sand and, and say no more than that but you, you know what we really need to do and this is something I've been campaigning with inside the studio forever uh, is because uh, the, there's there's a version of that that's kind of fast to do but it's really janky it's not something that I think we could feel good about selling commercially. And if we're going to put, if I'm going to put effort in people that, you know, want to eat towards <laughs> an effort, we're going to have to sell it. I like to eat, by the way. Yeah. Eating's good. So I've got a whole studio of people whose families, like, were responsible for their livelihoods, <laughs> right? So we've got to make really responsible commercial decisions, which means if we're going to sell something to a customer, we have to feel like it's pretty solid and, and not janky at all. Which so, so the idea that I love that I think could lead to something like what you're thinking about is uh, if we can put some energy towards like SDK kind of material that lets mm. put some of the power in users' hands to modify and and manipulate the content that, that exists. And I think with that kind of approach, I think that'd be the more efficient way to get what you're looking for and a whole lot more. Uh, and where what comes out of that effort, the jankiness is sort of accepted because these are these they would ultimately be modifications that users make that are not paid for there there be free kind that, of hobby that would be work. the fastest path to a playable yeah. skag without yeah. a doubt yeah yeah oh yeah that'd be great yeah i want that <laughs> uh but i love the idea and i man it'd be really fun to have all those characters because they, they're not all compatible right like the idea of aurelia hanging out with the Crimson Raiders just <laughs> like breaks my brain from a fiction point of view. Oh, from a fiction point yeah. of view, I mean, it, yeah. it does. And you know, there's there's between Borderlands One and Borderlands Two, there's there's like a six year gap there too. Yeah, and, yeah. and we we kind of age up, you know, or change up, you know, Lilith and, and Brick and Mordecai yeah. a little bit there. But there's some others, especially when you get into like, man, if you were to go to like uh, Tales and and characters are pre sequel, it's like all over the timeline there, depending wow, on whether yeah. you're talking about the the end caps or the main game itself. But, I don't, what could you do from Tails, though? From Tails? Because what? technically, Reese and Fiona are not Vault Hunters. Do you just make them Vault Hunters and forget I it? I mean, you know, <laughs> they've, got the, they've got the on adventure type of thing, but, sure. but they didn't get into a vault. I mean, yeah. I, I think a lot of people... They you also know, don't have action skills. <laughs> they, they, they don't. I mean, Reese would be what? Uh, 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 summon Jack or, or something. You know? yeah. Jack attack. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> Jack comes and tells a joke and it does damage. So, Tim had that, though, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's that's a fun one though. Um, to, have you th have you thought about it a lot? Like, where where do you think the pitfalls are, Nicholas? You still with us? Uh, oh me? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think the only real like issue I think would just be respecting the skill trees because from Borderlands Two and Borderlands Pre Sequel, there's that one little thing where halfway down the tree, you you just use the one point. Instead yeah. of adding another five. Yeah, yeah. There's that. There's that. So I think that's really <laughs> the only main issue. Well, that that's that's I guess from an outward <laughs> facing point of view, that's the only issue. But that's that's a substantial amount of work. <laughs> that's a big issue. Those, I, don't, those, I don't have a clear yeah. solution for that. Skill, one. But then skill again, tree. I, will, I, yeah. I don't make games. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the other thing too is um, it'd be interesting to see if you could just put them into the same build. Like, where would the imbalance between characters across games be? 
Man, Claptrap would ruin everything. Yeah, he because Claptrap's such a like his skills mess with so, everybody else's skills. So weird. <laughs> um, you know, like Maya. Like if you, for example, here's a good one. If you took Maya into Borderlands One, uh huh. Yeah. Like Maya had one of the hardest control abilities yeah, of, of any. Crowd any great, yeah, yeah, you know, she could bubble and, and lock them in place, and that probably like lets you one shot a lot of mini bosses or, or boss am fights. I, in, am in, I, in imagine Maya's skill yeah. interplaying with Mordecai's Bloodwing. Oh my gosh, it gets it gets crazy, you know, and, and doing that. And there's also some subtleties, like you know, we had the gun specialties in Borderlands yeah. One that we changed into the kind of the badass system of Borderlands Two. So we have to do a lot. There's a lot of work in remapping. There's a lot of little wires that you know it's it's easy to kind of trivialize, but yeah, it, the, it does represent a lot of a lot of effort. Yeah, I, I think though, like if, if you're talking about just the characters and their skills, we can kind of ignore things like weapon proficiency versus right. badass ranks. Right. Um, and then, like, the evolution of that that ended up in pre-sequel. There's some technical things and, like, how the skeletons of the characters are implemented. I mean, we get really, you know, nerdy developer talk if you want to. You know, you'll, I think you'll have The thing is, if you there. merge them all into one game, so it's one contiguous, yeah. then you will have to deal with things like badass ranks and yeah. proficiencies. And you're going to have some Borderlands 1 players that yeah. are going to be mad and burn yeah. want to burn the earth down because you've removed proficiencies. And then you're going to have some others. If you then apply badass ranks to everything, and then, okay... If you if you don't do that, then they're gonna argue you've badass ranks. <laughs> You'd have to like, you have to find kind of the uh, lowest common denominator, common denominator yeah, on all that's, that. That's, and, that's gonna and piss it. everybody off. So it's it's we talk about stuff like this all the time because we we love it. And we we've certainly this is this is not the first time we've heard this suggestion, but man, I love the SDK idea. Yeah, that that to me is the right answer because I think we can get some folks that can help us generate that. The, before too long that aren't part. So here, here's the other thing that you're going to, that I'm going to say that you'll probably appreciate the kinds of people. And there's, there's a lot of amazing talent at Gearbox, that talent that could do the work you talk about. I think you and the entire world that loves borderlands would much rather have them working on something new than just fixing things from the past. I might be wrong there, but, that's probably the case. It's probably the case. I mean, the the leap from Borderlands One to Borderlands Two, in my opinion, was substantial, and I love both the games. Yeah. But I mean, you know, size and just fluidity of the systems. Um, uh, you know, we we did some really awesome things with the. Yeah. The, 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 you talk about skill trees. I mean, the skill tree difference. I think we really landed on some things in Borderlands Two yeah. with your ability to choose and the ability really to feel some of those growth points. Yeah. And so I good. and I think we've gotten even better at that with uh, pre sequel. And I think the experience we had on Battleborn yeah. uh, yeah. leveled us up even farther. I think that, uh, I, man, I, I, from my to to where my decisions affect this, the, the the pathway. I think I think I am serving what our customers want from us better by asking the talent that could do that work to invest themselves on new things on future content as opposed to rehashing past content. Uh, we'll see if I'm right, but that's, that's my hunch. Yeah. It, it's yeah. Good. Great question. It, Amazing it's, stuff question. That, it, it's stuff that we talk about all the time. And I, I love that you love our characters and I love that you love the games and, and want that kind of cross play. That's, that's a, that's a, awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for your call. Anything else you want to talk about no before, before we let you go, Nicholas? Um, no, that's pretty much it. But I, if you ever get the chance or if you ever bring that topic up again, I would love to talk to you about it because I do have a lot of things that I could probably like add to the table. 
give me your best thing right now, really quick. Like, what's the best the best uh, thought that that you think might might add to the table of that? Something tangible. Well, if there is if there is one thing that I was thinking of through all three of the games, we had some pretty amazing vehicles. But in each game, we only were we were limited to, to like two or three vehicles. Yeah. Why not bring all those into the in the game as well? Use those anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the, some of the things that, that, that are the drive that, you know, Borderlands two launched on the same platforms that Borderlands one launched on and Borderlands, the pre-sequel launched on those same platforms, the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation three and a windows PC and the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation three did not get any more memory or processing power between the launches of any of those. So mm-hmm. our options in those games were to either, um, give you the same vehicles or give you new vehicles at the expense of, but we can't give you both because there's not enough memory and there's not enough performance to Mm -hmm. load all that stuff in so that we have to make trade-offs. And, uh, you know, I wish, I, I wish we had infinite computing potential. And I know that, that there will be some points in the future where maybe we are less constrained by memory and performance. And we'll have new options as 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 that, you know, as the full manifestation of cloud computing um, comes to bear for our uh, our gaming experiences. But but right now, you're running you're running the software on a machine that's sitting next to your television, and it has the memory and clock speed and CPU power that it has. And we have to make judicious decisions about how to. Uh, take advantage of that hardware. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, PCs to the, to some extent have a little more flexibility and PCs kind of evolve in a more fluid rate. But, but at the time we launch, it's the same constraint, right? We, we, we have to worry about what user we're targeting and we have to make sure that the game functions on that PC. Well, it's Uh, funny how that affects all of the game. You know, in fact, it's last week we were discussing that in, in relative to story. Yeah. Uh, we had we were reading through some story elements and had to yeah. like we might have too many characters in this scene because of memory considerations yep. back in the in the map. So it, it affects every every game you know aspect, not yep. just the gameplay and not just those elements. But uh, we, we it's something that it's one of those bits of responsibility as a developer. You know we have to have everybody in every department think about all the time memory performance because you know we, it's an action game and it needs to perform as an action game and needs to do that but it also has to be able to load at some it has point to run yeah, yeah. Run. it is exciting though we do get new console hardware from time to time and of course today we have the xbox one and we have the playstation 4 and these are much more powerful systems than the xbox 360 and the playstation 3 and uh, so conceivably, with games that go into the new generation, you can see a lot more fidelity in the environment and a lot more options with things like the number of vehicles and the, the kinds of vehicles and the, and, and the customizability of them. Um, the, these are all options games develop, game developers can choose between when deciding how to divide up the memory and performance they have to spend on the simulation. And uh, I, love, I love the way the trend is going where the first parties making the video game consoles are not doing the sort of revolutionary kind of jerk anymore with new generations of hardware. They're, they're iterating now. So I think this yeah. is going to make it 
a console more like a PC in the sense that we can expect every year or two for there to be a more powerful version that basically is the same platform and our games can continue to sort of evolve on that line without having to, um, uh, without having to uh, sacrifice uh, the experience on other platforms. Add two more enemies to that combat. That's right. That's <laughs> right. And it could be a more yeah. fluid and gradual kind of uh, kind of thing. And I, I like that. I, I think that yeah, that's you really know cool. when you think of a game like Borderlands, where we built so much technology and so much stuff on um, uh, a set of um, tools and foundational scaffolding that was designed specifically for you know Windows Seven. Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3, and we now have things that are much beyond that. It takes a lot of time to build new scaffolding. To be in a world where once that next set of tools and scaffolding is all done and behind us, we can just iterate, 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 iterate. Yeah, I think that's the future. I think the future is really, really, really from, bright. From a content and design yeah. point of view, that's really exciting for me. So, and I think it's going to be great for gamers. Um, but that—that's—it's really the, the balance between technical constraints and the dreams that we all have as game players <laughs> that you find the, those kinds of decisions. Um, uh, I wish—I wish we did not have those constraints, Nicholas, because I, I promise you, if we didn't, there'd be a lot more vehicles, and you'd have any of them at all the time you want. Uh, I can uh, promise <laughs> you that that there's not a single developer who hasn't wept over having to cut something that they were very passionate about. <laughs> we we we. Man, we, we have to kill our babies all the time as we're building the game. Sometimes cleverness can get us there, though. I mean, one of the biggest innovations that Borderlands brought was the procedural weapon generation system. Oh, man. Yeah. And if you, if you can rewind the clock in history before Borderlands existed in the world, the rule with a first-person shooter was you basically got 10 or 12 weapons. Yep. Um, you know, it started with 10 because keyboards go 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 0. Yeah, and, yeah, that's right. You know, and those are the ones you can switch that's, between. Yeah, right. uh, but then you know, with consoles and different selection options, we, we were able to get a few more and you know, squeeze the memory to do it. Borderlands, when I remember when we were sitting down thinking about like what kind of shotgun should we have, and that debate used to be significant when you're making a first-person shooter. <laughs> you know, like oh, is it more like the Doom Two shotgun? Is it more like the Half-Life shotgun? Side by side, is it over yeah. under? Yeah. Is it automatic? Like, how is it, how wide yeah. is the spread, or narrow is the spread versus yeah. the range? Uh, how much punch and pushback does it have? What's the yeah. rate? What's the cycle rate on that guy? Like all all of those decisions are really they used to be some of the most important decisions yeah. first person shooter developers made. And we're sitting there, and you know, I said, well. Why can't we have all the shotguns? <laughs> like, like let's have the one with the widest possible spread and the shortest possible range, and the narrowest possible spread and the longest range, and 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 everything in between. And all those are variables, so you can get long range and widespread, and like all, you can get everything. And uh, and and it's like, well, there's no way to do that. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> you know, so so that that desire to want to find a way is what led to the procedural system that we developed software that made guns for us, and that's that's one of the beauties of Borderlands. And now now there's a lot of first-person shooters that have followed that have figured out how to do some procedural weapon generation, or they've brute forced it. You know, like um, Destiny's done a little bit of both, yeah. but yeah. they brute forced a lot of that, yeah. haven't they? It's really yeah. interesting. Um, so, so it, it mean just because one person figures it out doesn't mean everybody automatically gets it. There is software, there is technology in the invention of procedural weapon generation that we've made. Uh, maybe we'll crack that nut for, for vehicles at some point. 
Um, there was a game that tried it. I don't know if you played a game called um, Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts. <laughs> yeah. Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts tried to put mod like customizable, arbitrary, conf arbitrarily configured vehicles into the hands of players. It was like almost like an SDK inside the gameplay itself. Do you remember that? It was a yeah. disaster. <laughs> it was a mess. I had so much fun with it, but I think it confused a lot of players and just didn't work very well. Uh, for for from in a market point of view, I think I thought that game was amazing. I loved it, but I could see why it didn't work from a market point of view. Yeah, you, you get you get especially man when you start talking vehicles or like character abilities or whatever, you really get to uh, the ability that you can you can make a player their own worst enemy really quick because they can they can break the game in so many unexpected ways. Yeah. It's like we get asked all the time, why don't you put more flying vehicles in Borderlands? <laughs> and again, I, I think again I, I've just heard the screams of a, a thousand level designers, you know. You, we don't, you, you build your level differently if you're building like just a character game or yeah. a character in a vehicle game or a flying vehicle game. Yep. And you have to do so much more with what you put in the Well, you have to make trade-offs, right? Like yeah, there's yeah. There, right. like Exactly right. The, there's a trade-off between the fidelity right in front of you on the ground and things that you don't have to bother assembling and take up memory with if you never can see right. or interact with the environment from a different perspective. But if you can interact with the environment from all perspectives, well, then you have to account for all that content and you have to make those trade-offs. There's only so much memory available. There's only so much performance power available. So, we, you know, every game makes its own trade-offs. And once you've made the decisions about what trade-offs you're going to make, to retroactively go in and say, oh, let's make a whole bunch of different decisions. Right, right. Whoa. I remember when, uh, gosh, remember the, the, the time that uh, Blizzard with World of Warcraft yeah. added the flying mounts back to the main and it, zones. And it took, to justify that, it <laughs> took... An it, expansion called Cataclysm. Right, it took an I'm expansion sure called... Dev it, team fell. It took a, an expansion <laughs> called Cataclysm, but it also took like 10 million gamers oh around gosh. the world paying 14 bucks a month, month. For, forever, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, you know, you add that up. If, if we were generating $150 million in revenue every month, I would be, I think we could spend you know, 50 million yeah, of that yeah. a month we, yeah, you know, and probably sure. figure out a way to solve those problems. <laughs> uh, and Man, it took, cool. it took them a long time. <laughs> yeah. It was like a decade after that. It took them a yeah. long time to solve And they it. had, they have, and it's still yeah. janky as hell. Uh, there's still, and you can break, break the hell it. out of oh, the yeah. game. Like, yeah. so yeah, but I love those, 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 that wish and that desire is how the frontier is pushed. And that's, that's what drives us. Thanks, Nicholas. All right. Thank you. Uh, thanks for calling, man. Call back right. again okay, sometime. Bye. Great talking to you. Cheers. Uh, yeah, no. Oh, I didn't mean to cut him off. Oh, no. Sorry, <laughs> Nicholas. We were done. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you so much for calling, Nicholas. That's so much, it's so much fun to talk about. Obviously, you, you, you sparked something there. Um, hey, I should take, uh, I'm going to take this call from uh, Rebecca. Okay, uh, this, awesome. Uh, let's see. Let's see what Rebecca has to say. Let me hit the talk button, not the drop button. <laughs> and... Uh, Let's see if this works. Rebecca, are you there? Yeah, we're here. Yay, Rebecca, you're live with Randy and Randy. Where are you calling from? From Illinois. Wow. I uh, I lived in Ohio, which is almost adjacent. I don't know. Like, I lived there for a year. But I don't spend a lot of time in, in Illinois. I guess I go to Chicago every once in a while. Uh, what part of Illinois are you in, Rebecca? Just north of Chicago. Nice. We're in the suburbs. Okay, cool. Right on. Um, yeah, I love Chicago. It's I, except I only like it when it's not winter. You guys pulling out of the uh, winter yet up there, or is it still for, still cold and, and snowy? 
We're hibernating. We're not even going outside right now. Yeah, that's what you have to do. That's what you have to do. Well, thanks for calling, Rebecca. What uh, What's on your mind? What can we talk to you about? So I just wanted to ask if maybe in the future, in a future Borderlands game, if it would be possible to choose your class and then choose your gender. Because, uh, like, I, I always see. solo. I usually solo accent. Uh-huh. But it would be great instead of a dude if I could play a female character. Yeah. And also, my daughter, she's 11, and we play together a lot. We play, yes. Uh, we actually play war. We go out in the doll headlands and run around and in the runners and blow awesome. the, the bandit. That's um, awesome. But she you know, it's a siren, and she, like sometimes I might want to be a dude siren. So I was just wondering yeah, yeah. if there would you know, that, that option to choose gender after you choose your class. That's a really interesting question. You know, in Borderlands, we've decided to offer characters and we have male and female characters you can choose from. Um, but you're choosing to role play as those characters. But with that decision, we're, we're connecting the skill of the character, the, the, the gameplay of that character to their, their character and their personality. And I, that, that desire to ha- see that disambiguated, uh, is, is real. Um, I, I'll tell you, we're, there's a prototype of a, of a totally non-Borderlands related game that, that, that we've been working on for something completely unannounced. And I'll, I'll tell you about a decision that, that I've um, sort of put as a, a stake in the ground on it that I think solves what you're talking about. And what the decision that, that I'm trying to force us to work, work through from a prototype point of view is uh, in a character selection situation you kind of want to pick your character based on their look and their feel and their identity but you're not really equipped to make any decisions about the gameplay implications of the character because you haven't even started the game yet so i wanted to disambiguate everything related to gameplay from like if if this was a borderlands game and it's not but if it was like the things that would lead to the action action skill, for example. Right. But or you know, if this was like a traditional, say, like a fantasy role playing game, you'd pick. Uh, I want to look like an orc, but then that necessarily affected like your strength, for example, or other stats. Right. Uh, I think those should be completely disambiguated. We want to pick the look and feel and identity of our character as sort of a, a cosmetic choice when, right. at a point where we're actually equipped to make all those decisions and then let all of the gameplay type decisions sort of unfold from a natural experience of growth and discovery and choice while we're interacting with the game. Uh, yeah. and, that, and, and this is, by the way, for Randy's reference, this is for the code name Madrone. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, so I don't know if yeah. you're aware of that, but that, that's been a really important decision for me. I, I think with Borderlands, we're kind of stuck uh, because of the decision we've made to we were talking about earlier. Yeah. I mean, our our characters. We're I, we're going even deeper with the idea that they are characters in the universe. Yes. You know, and and and, uh, you know, playable characters in Borderlands One became valuable companions in Borderlands Two. Yeah. And I think that's really important to our franchise. And I, I will lord lord nerd on you just for a second there because you said you know you might want to play a male or female siren <laughs> in the Borderlands universe. What we know of the sirens right now is that they are all female. Yeah. There's something about so probably probably even if that were ever to exist in a Borderlands game, probably wouldn't have a playable male siren. We'd have to we'd have to we'd have to unveil something new there. Yeah. Or they'd have to have like if. If it is gender specific, which so far it has been, uh, that suggests, and if if the genders in 
Borderlands have to do with genetics as we understand right, it, right. then there's probably something that sits on that that X chromosome. <laughs> right, right. That that that, that, has, that, that has a little something similar. that allows uh, allows them to become sirens. I, I so we need to have a male that's got that has like too many X's, I guess, which exists, there, yeah, which some, is possible. There'd be something yeah. there, right? Yeah. yeah, you'd have to. We'd have to. There's a lot of fun lore discussions. We we could we could talk and play about that. I, but it's of, science fiction, so yeah, who yeah. cares about genetics? What are, what are, <laughs> we can just make we can just make up the rules again. Trinary genders. Yeah, we can just make up the rules to suit the fiction that we want to have. Uh, to to kind of your deeper underlying question, though, one of the one of the things I'm pr- so proud about at working with Gearbox, and one of the things we we really do think about is we want to be sure that our our characters up, appeal to as many people as possible. Yeah. So whenever we come to a game and approach a game and, and think about what are the characters that we're going to put in there, what are we going to play, who's relating to these characters and all of that, we, we try to be very, very inclusive about everybody. You know, uh, Randy's goal, I, we get at every company meeting, His, you know, our, our goal is to entertain the world. And the world means everybody in all sorts of different shapes and sizes and, and colors and heights and, and, and whatever. And so we, we think a lot about that and, and, and put a lot of thought behind trying to trying to uh, open up characters that anybody could relate to and giving different options. We yeah. all we all relate different to different and, characters and, in different ways. And incidentally, in order to succeed at that goal of entertaining the world, like I, I've, I've taken the position within the studio that we have to be comprised of the world. Yeah. And so Gearbox over time has become more and more diverse with more and more different kinds of people that represent different experiences uh, and backgrounds. Uh, being part of the development process, so this this interest uh, is is not unique to the just the audience. It's something within the studio as well. What you, what you talk about is is discussions that happen within the studio themselves. I think with um, with Borderlands, it it would be tricky for us to offer uh, to 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 step away from this idea that we're saying. Hey, here's a character. Correct. Choose which character you want to become. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be, um, that'd be and, weird. And it's it's. But I do think that there's some things we can do to give the characters that we offer more options from a skill point of view, so that different character, like the idea of class, can kind of evolve a little bit, right? Um, we love the idea. I mean, Borderlands is a game about finding your groove, right? And and even Borderlands Two, you really see that with not only with the gun selection, which there are gajillions of guns in Borderlands, but the gear combinations and the skill combinations and, and all of that. So, I, I think you know going deeper there would be something that'd be very natural to the franchise. Uh, but even that, you know, Borderlands Two, you, you even talk about appearances. You know, while while we're a little bit locked on the character, we, we, you can do a lot with heads and skins. You know, yeah, you know, we did. I can't yeah, I think how many we put the, out Borderlands. The appearance is definitely, amount, and right? I think I think you could probably find heads and skins which make your say female characters in Borderlands Two feel less female, and your male characters in Borderlands right. Two feel less male. But um, and I think that could be pushed even forward. But I also think that the skills themselves, like if you think about say Lilith's special ability her, her her ability in borderlands one she became invisible and she right. can move through the world swiftly um which character and she's a female which character can do that in borderlands two? Zero. Zero. right uh, we just so we just kind of mix up now we had two male characters in a row have the ability to do a turret now the turret axton's turret's a lot more capable and evolved than roland's than turret Ro- was yeah. um what you know if we imagine 
in a some hypothetical future Borderlands game, we might want to try creating some new permutations of some classic kind of skill types, but we also might want to bring some new skills that have never been seen before. And we're going to have to spread them out between different types of characters. Uh, you know, and, and like in the case of Borderlands 2, you had one playable female, Maya. Yes. You had two playable males, Salvador and Axton, and you had whatever the heck Zero what, zero, is. Zero. And then you zero, have playable Zero. Zero yeah. might be a woman. <laughs> Zero might be a man. Zero might be an alien that has some be. different kind of gender that we aren't thinking about. Robot. Okay. Might, Zero might be a woman. Is, is, uh, is a what, robot. What did you say, Rebecca? Engaged, right? And, oh yeah. So so then yeah uh, then Gage, Gage then we came later with Gage right. as the fifth playable character that was a DLC, and then of course Cree. Right. So that kind of created some more options there. Uh, in the pre-sequel, the four playables that we launched with. Uh, we had uh, two. We had Nisha and Athena. Right. So we had two female characters. We had one male character, Wilhelm. Right. And then we had a robot, Claptrap. Trap. <laughs> and then of course we had and other. Aurelia later. We had Aurelia, so. and we had added Timothy, the doppelganger. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So so we you know we spread it out, and we had different you know types of <laughs> skills that we kind of bounced around with with those different characters, um, and I and I think we should you know I think we can keep doing that. Um, but, uh, I, I think, I think that, that trend, like it's going to be difficult to just completely interrupt that expectation of, of offering a character that you become in, in that franchise. It's not, I don't, I, I think it'd be a surprise and maybe too much whiplash to go full build yourself, build your own character kind of approach, uh, in the franchise. I think, I think that would fight against it a bit, but I, I don't know. But I, it's, I, I like you talking about the kind of the other other ways we're exploring that on other projects you yeah, know, in yeah. the studio because that's it's definitely something that's in our DNA. I mean, Borderlands is is a is a so much of its DNA is in that classic kind of RPG type of mode, and that's something that that other people have done and gone. And uh, I, I have a question. You were talking about Doll Headlands, um, Rebecca, and does that mean like are you still playing Borderlands One? Oh yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Those, Two, those the Borderlands games are my top two games of all time. I mean, Woo. I play lots of other, mostly first-person shooter, uh-huh. other games also, but those are my two favorite. And that's so, awesome. me and my daughter, we we like to play Borderlands one together, and that's what we always do. We get to the point where we get the doll headlands open, and then we jump in the runners and just drive around. Like <laughs> that's hours. that's so and great. That's so great. I've got to remember that joy. That that's so it's so fun to just get free and to just drive yeah and just (laughs) you you know what's funny is when we were i'll tell you when we were prototyping borderlands one and we were in the very earliest stages the first thing that we had that i thought was fun was when we finally got runners driving over dunes and we had ai runners with bandits in them next to us and we could you know shoot them with rockets and just like in like blowing up an enemy runner and watching the wheels bounce you're able and to simulate sh- you're able to physics. shoot in, a, in the middle of a car chase yeah, yeah it was just that. That, that was the first time i had fun with our our software huh. as we That's were aw- as we were in prototype and uh and it's funny that you know at first we imagined the game a lot more vehicle centric 
than it ended up being. Uh, vehicles are a lot of fun, but kind of as a distraction. When we got to the point where it was starting to become a racing game or a vehicle customizer yeah. game, the vehicle was having more identity than player, and it was it was starting to kind of fight the fun a bit. So we, we pulled back from that, and we kind of figured that out. I, I think Borderlands 2 had a good mix of that, right? You had some areas and some zones that were very much like, this has been designed with vehicles in mind, and we it's it's great to have a, you know, a few hours of break. Or if you like that, man, you can spend a lot of time in this area or with that, but the whole game isn't like that. Yeah. I think the variety is really good, especially with vehicles and especially with those promises. My my favorite story in development uh, from Borderlands 2 comes where uh, Anthony Birch and I were, were in a room together. We were playtesting a lot of the game right before yeah. release. And we were in uh, uh, the, the Bandit, uh, the technical. The, that's, yeah, yeah. that's the new one, right? Yeah. And uh, he was playing Zero. I was playing, I think, Accent at the time. And I was driving. I was driving. I got the car first. We always used to race to see who gets the car first and drive. And I'd won that day. And uh, we got in one of those quests there where we're, we're being chased around and the, the two or three other bandits behind us. And and uh, uh, and they, they blew us up and we go flying in the air. The car part's exploding. And I, I landed and then I watched as Anthony is zero, did the most zero thing ever. He landed, the other car, you know, just bearing down on me, turned around and, and, and went invisible and then did the sword slash, kind of sidestepped the vehicle, hit it at the last minute, blew the car up, you know, bandits oh, wow. everywhere. You know, it was just, it was, it was, it was literally, was, it was that moment I'm like, this game is awesome. <laughs> that was the best story ever. I, wish, I love that. I wish that we had been frapsing that or anything, oh, any man. kind of video from that. <laughs> Because it was those things, like, I keep describing it. I, I even talked about it on the press tour, and I was like, it was so awesome. It was so cool. I can't even describe it. It looked just like a movie. It was the best action scene ever. And it was like, oh, but it was only the two of us. Well, if Anthony Birch is out there, and you remember that, buddy, we have that moment. That moment will always be ours. It will live forever in my memory. I love so, that. I love that. So how long has your daughter been playing Borderlands with you? Uh, Hello? Hello? Rebecca? Yeah. How long has your daughter been playing Borderlands with you? Um, about maybe two years. Two years. Wow. So two she maybe. started She started when she was nine years old. That's great. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, you know, she really started out playing games like Minecraft, and then yeah. she would see me playing. She was like, that was like fun. And so so you know, we started playing together, and it was really great. One know? of the, we one of the things... Together. You know, we when we the game the game's M rated, you know, and I and a lot of that's because, you know, you're you're shooting guys and taking their stuff. But we're uh you know, when I think some of the things like I, I think moving forward, like I keep putting a lot of pressure on the team, like we should be careful about the the subject matter and the content and even the language and respect the fact that families play Borderlands together and sometimes uh, you know, you don't wanna necessarily you don't want to overdo it with innuendo, for example, and you don't want to overdo it with language. And so, I, like, I, I think you can expect us in the future to be making the game even more yeah. family friendly. Well, we, and uh, but but still, yeah. but not holding back on the wild fun. And we think feedback's great. So I think we'll probably like the the places I'm pushing for not not just you know, things work we might be doing in future Borderlands games, but uh, all games is to kind of go farther with feedback and enjoy the feedback we get from, you yeah. know, combat, but, but really care about the, the story content and the, the, the language and the, 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 the subject matter so that everyone can feel comfortable playing with their families. Yeah. As a mom, I really appreciate that. Um, for her, like when she started, a lot of that went over her head. Yeah. And that's one of so, the things too, about that kind of content. 
if you don't have like subtitles turned turned on, yeah. you can't really understand a lot of the stuff that they're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like I, yeah. And I'm giggling, and she's like, what? And I'm like, nothing. Yeah, yeah. You know, but a lot of a lot of it she doesn't really pick up on, which is awesome. There's. There's a lot of like I I, uh, I don't know if you know this, but before I became a game developer, I used to be a magician, and there's a lot of like technique in live entertainment with comedy in live entertainment where the where where you can make a joke that adults get on one level and kids get on a different level, and it's okay. Yeah. And it's only when you have like de- wherever yeah. you're at with the amount of information right. you have. <laughs> It's fine. Right, right. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, but, but, uh, also, yeah. you know, I, I have to tell you before I forget, okay. uh, Crazy Earl is our most favorite character ever. <laughs> what? Uh, for the longest time in the drop off line, I would drop her off and I would, I would yell at her, ah, see you later. And she would yell at me, let's do her back. And people thought we were nuts. Was like her own little- <laughs> That's so great. So, um, Oh, crazy Earl. That thank you so much. You know that that Crazy Earl was kind of a last minute invention. Yeah. We we needed, you know. He is awesome. Thank you. I, I you know I, I had this mandate. I wanted every function to be attached to a character. So right in the beginning in Borderlands One, we said okay, we're going to attach Claptrap to the 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 bounty boards. You know the job boards. We're right. gonna we got. Uh, Doctor Zed attached to the the medicine, medicine the Marcus healing Marcus on right and so on and we added that economy for buying the um, upgrades for the buying SDUs the the SDUs yeah. uh, the upgrades for your storage unit and that that came late in the design and uh, as, as evidenced by the fact that I think Crazy Earl is only a head it's I only a head model I'm not I even mean, sure he's a whole head this guy I can't remember which artist somebody <laughs> had a sketch of this guy that was so great like didn't have all his teeth he was super buck teeth and he's like just you know and and look I, I lived in West Virginia for a year you know so I, I'm you know I, and I lived in Nashville Tennessee for a year so oh, I, I I know characters like that yeah. you know and uh, well, I grew up in Arkansas so you know yeah yeah, exactly. Right. So, so I, I do have shoes. Now. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, when that, I'm like, okay, we're going to put this guy, we're not going to, we don't have time to build a whole asset. We're just going to build the head. Right. We're going to put his eyes on <laughs> eyes only through a slot. So yeah. we didn't have to even build the rest of the asset. And I just went in the booth and just belted out some lines <laughs> for him. And, uh, what you want? <laughs> it's interesting, you know, to kind of go for a full circle. It, it takes, it, it actually, when you get down to it, it takes surprisingly little to make a character. Yeah. You know, you, you have to find those right magical elements. It can. You can but also yeah. spend an absurd amount of right. time and end up oh, with sure. nothing special. Yep. That's and that right. happens all the time, too, where we spend ridiculous amounts of time in, in, in concept and modeling and animation and scripting, and that can, nobody remembers that character. It just doesn't mean anything. And, and yeah. to me, the magic is it's about tapping into the weird kind of special, unique stuff that makes each of us human. Yeah. And, each, and, and you find the fringes of our, what's possible with our species, and then you lean into that. And, yeah. and when you can do that, then you, then you can get something special. And Crazy Earl's a great example of that, like a really last minute kind of thrown together in a very short period of time. But and, and only has, you know, probably a less than five minutes of total speaking time. <laughs> right. Yeah. But with that, just tremendous mileage. And, uh, and I love that. And I, we, we got to keep remembering lessons like that. So we get more of that. Right on. Hey, Rebecca, um, go ahead. You were going to say something. Go. I just, it's, 
I don't know how much time you guys have. Um, I don't want to take up too much of your time, okay. but um, Lily would really like to ask Randy a question, if that's okay, if we you got, have time. we got two Randys. Go ahead. Pick a Randy. Up and down to me. Pick a Randy. Okay. Hold on. Oh, uh, Randy Pittsburgh. Okay. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, hello. I was wondering, are you guys ever going to make it so um, you can, like, be more creative when, like, customizing your avatar for the game, maybe? I, I think that that's a trend, right? If you think about the difference between Borderlands 1 and Borderlands 2, in that regard, I, you could see that in Borderlands 2, we cared more about that and we put more energy into that. And I, I think that, that that trend is something that, that we should respect. So, in, in fact, if you, I don't know if you played Battleborn, but we put a lot, uh, even more energy into that, both from a skin's point of view, but then adding this idea of animation and taunts that you can customize so you can affect the behavior <laughs> of the character in the game, not just yeah. the look. Uh, and, I, and I think that that continues. That, incidentally, in the Borderlands universe has to kind of go with the notion of um, of you're, you're, you're playing as a character that, that we're crafting for you. You're becoming that character. But notice in Heads and Skins, we, we, we're okay with kind of breaking the rules of the universe a bit. And we'll go in really wild directions with some of that customization. And I think we should be adding more and more layers of that customization to allow more and more, more options. One of the nuts we're trying to crack, incidentally, is because we make a lot of first-person games, you know, so like, and I think this started when we were talking mm -hmm. about Battleborn, like how do we get customization in the view model of the character? Right. And uh, I think I think we've got some things there, so some, some future first-person games that you see from Gearbox will have some new options down the road that, that, you, that you'll see as we, as we talk about those future games uh, for that kind of customization too. But that's always exciting to us, and we, we definitely want to support more and more of that. And that's a great question. And your question actually inspires me to want to push that more. <laughs> yeah. I'm a huge vanity person in any game that I play. I, I, I probably spend way too much time collecting apparel items for my characters. And my, <laughs> my daughter's sitting in the back nodding. And uh, I really, really, I, I'm even, <laughs> I hate to admit it, I'm even playing PUBG right now in the night. <laughs> and I go to Steam and routinely go through, like, I'll buy everything that's under 10 cents for my character just so I have appearance <laughs> options at PUBG. And, you know, I never see my character. It's another first-person game in that. But I guess, when, you know, when, I, when I'm finally shot at the end of the game, I'm like, hey, I look good, you know, when I'm, when I'm there on the ground with this hat on. But, you know, uh, For Fortnite has some fun ones. Fortnite too. is great. Yeah. And I love, yeah. I love that uh, Fortnite has... From a customization point of view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But they've, they've, they've even... They're not shooting for that, that hyper-realistic right. style. So they, they're able to relax they a bit They go nuts, more. yeah. yeah. And, and they do a lot more with that. They've got some great things, and I love yeah. to see them, them on that role of, of like even monthly content. So I, I think it's something that you'll see at Gearbox. Uh, Randy said it right, but, man, so many of us here love that idea and want to go deeper there. So it's I think it's something that will definitely grow over time <laughs> awesome hey thank you guys so much for your call and hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to you again sometime okay thank you for your yeah. time sir yeah Thanks. cheers and uh stay warm up there in <laughs> illinois in the suburbs of chicago and uh and i appreciate you calling me sir but you know what I call my dad is sir. You can, you can just call me Randy. Because you're knighted, and then you are sir. Randy. Oh yeah, I'm That's not. Different, I, right? I haven't been knighted yet. Yeah, right. <laughs> you implied <Cheers>. yet. <laughs> right. Thanks, you guys. Talk to you later. Cheers.
You know, we've got the we, we've got that uh, uh, medieval time sword uh, in the oh, office gosh. from our from our company the, un- there a few years ago. Get an unofficial knighting. Yeah, uh, we could do that sometime. That would be interesting. <laughs> so I, I think I have been knighted at medieval times. Oh, have you? Okay, I have okay. Been, yeah, I have. So been, yeah. when we're at medieval times, we refer to you as Sir Randy. There's so I don't know if you guys are are familiar. There's this business called Medieval Times. There's a <laughs> there's probably a half dozen of them or so or more yeah, in the United yeah. States in different large cities, and it's it's a castle and you go there and inside they have a jousting arena and you eat like chicken with your fingers and uh ribs and potatoes with your fingers and soup with and soup and you you just slurp it slurp it out of the cup uh and and you watch uh you watch these these gladiators or these knights uh beat the crap out of each other with swords and they joust on horses and uh, they're swinging flails, and and so it, every once in a while, Gearbox will take the whole company down yes, there. Yeah, we awesome. love it. It's ridiculous. We love it. Uh, and um, one, in fact, one of the knights, uh, the the old Green Knight, is right. one of our motion capture yeah. capture actors. We bring him in and we put him in the the motion yeah. capture suit with all the dots on it. Hit my mic. But yeah, he he rolls around on the mat and does motion he's capture great. for stuff. Yeah. So he's really good too. Yeah, he's one of the motion capture actors. Um, hey, let's talk to. Um, I'm going to take a call from uh, Rachel. Uh, has some questions relating to both Borderlands and Battleborn. Oh, so let's let's uh, let's see if we can get Rachel on the line. Hey, Rachel, uh, can you hear me? Yeah. Hey, Rachel. How's everyone? We're doing good. good. So you're on the air live on the At Nerd Vinyl Live podcast with Randy and Randy. Ooh. And uh, where are you calling yeah. from? Shreveport, <laughs> uh, Louisiana. Oh, right on. I love I love Louisiana. I haven't really spent a whole lot of time in Shreveport. I think I went there once because you guys have the casinos, right? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's uh, it. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> it. Yeah, I think I was there once for some something, some gig that happened down there. You but, drive uh, right through it. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, uh, what do you want to talk about? We're also getting that big I forty nine. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, what do you want to talk about today, Rachel? All right. Um, I do kind of want to start off with saying, like, just because of the, the last caller, um, made me all sentimental. Oh. Uh, because when I was when the first Borderlands came out, I was. 13 or 14. Oh, nice. And I actually, I was like really the first, my first real big gaming. Like, I mean, I've been gaming my whole life, but like I, I actually played that game with my brother and my dad. Oh, um, man. Yeah. That's so and awesome. it was just kind of like a, a big, it was a very important game for me and my, my family. Right. Um, That's awesome. Even now, me and my dad always talk about it. And <laughs> um, uh, before my brother went, to the military after we graduated high school we 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 worked our butt off to defeat Cromerax and all that stuff <laughs> that's um, awesome did you get him <laughs> did you get no. him oh you never got him. <laughs> he's tough man you gotta yeah. you have you gotta get the right and then gear. and then like about the time that happened you guys announced Borderlands 2 so i was like oh well my attention shifted entirely <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> the son of Cromerax, um, right yeah son of Cromerax is in yeah, right? too. yeah <laughs> yeah which was Brilliant. Uh, I just wanted to, you know, was like, thank you, God, for Borderlands. Thank you, guys. That's so awesome. Um, wow. Well, that's like that's why we fight. Frankly, like the the, the idea of families playing games together, that that's underscores our commitment to co-op gaming. And oh man, you just made my day. And we would just sit next. I, that was a big thing. Is like I really loved being able to like sit in, next to my brother, like five, maybe maybe three feet away from the TV <laughs> on our giant flat screen playing Borderlands That's in awesome. the living room. You've got to be able to swat, right? <laughs> That's so <laughs> it's awesome. Like you never know. <laughs> 
but all right, I just wanted to, you know, oh, I love Borderlands. Um, wow, thank you so but, much. <laughs> um, but it, it, Gearbox games are very important to me, so it's just everything you guys make, I love. Um, yeah. You guys only get Gearbox. better and better. Thank you. Each thank game you. you come out with takes the, all the gr- wonderful things from the last game you made, and then you know does that times a hundred. Well, we're just um, we're just getting started. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to oh, see, I know. To see the things that we're working on. That's why on right I get now. excited about every new thing you guys put out because <laughs> I'm like, oh god, this is going to be even better than the last one. <laughs> <laughs> Right I was on. Like, that, what are they gonna do now? Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm blushing. I'm <laughs> blushing. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, it's just I, I just enjoy your games so much, and they're they're so different from a lot of the other options out there. And I like to think because of the boldness of your games that it's we're getting games like Fortnite or other games that are more tongue in cheek, and they they're serious games, but they don't take themselves so seriously. And they, I just feel like. I mean, I don't know if it's specifically Borderlands that caused this, but I just, I just feel like things changed. You know, I, what people want in games changed. We, we, uh, <laughs> we, we feel it too, and I, I don't think, I, I, I mean, at the risk of sounding like I've got delusions of grandeur, I think, I think, and it isn't just Borderlands. Lots of games affect lots of things, but I think uh, sometimes there are games that can have an impact on lo- the larger culture, and we can feel it. And I've had filmmakers tell me. Uh, and you, you know the kinds of films that you've probably seen some of them uh, that, that I might be talking about here. I don't want to name names, but I've had filmmakers tell me that our game influenced them. And uh, and you mentioned Fortnite. You know, I, I remember, gosh, about five years ago when Epic invited me out when they were f- like in the earliest prototype phases of that game, and they told me straight up that you know they had a lot of goals and and free to play was definitely one of the goals, but that a lot of the style and a lot of the attitude and the whole idea of looting, uh, was inspired by Borderlands. And, uh, that, that meant a lot to me. And it also meant a lot that they invited me in to participate in their process, uh, uh, to some degree. So I kept being invited out at periodic points in the development of their game. And, and I, I always was able to tell them sincerely, how awesome I thought what they were doing was and how glad I was that they were, they were taking that risk because their game was risky and they weren't sure, like even up to the point, and it, it always is, whenever we make stuff that's creative, um, it's always it's always scary when we take big creative risks and we don't know how it's going to work out. Fortunately, they're, they're being very successful right now with their Battle Royale mode and I think they're feeling very good about all the effort that they spent over the years to get to where they are with Fortnite. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's really fun to feel like you've had an influence on on people uh and it's it's fun to be influenced too i will say it's 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 a big loop you know we had we had lots of influences from the gameplay being a desire to kind of mix the moment to moment fun of a first person shooter with those things that we found engaging with role playing games that had no moment to moment action that we'd brought into to Borderlands to like stylistically and and we even pay homage uh, to to some things there was this really awesome short that um that we found called Code Hunters which had a art style that was pretty 
extreme, not quite like Borderlands, but definitely, mm-hmm. definitely influenced us a lot. Mm-hmm. And we put, you know, we pay it homage. We, we did the Easter egg with the welcome sign at the beginning of our game. Yeah. And they had the welcome sign and Code Hunters. And we, we have all kinds of Easter eggs. You can find in Borderlands 2 an entire Minecraft section. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That, that, that was awesome. That was blessed yeah. by Notch. You know, he loved Borderlands. And he's like, hey, dude, go for it. Have fun, man. Uh, and he gave us the rights to do that. Um, and so we, we love, and there's tons of Easter eggs all through paying homage to all the folks that influenced us. And so it's fun to see us influencing other people. Somebody sent me a picture when Grand Theft Auto came out of a claptrap trash can that was hidden oh. in, uh, <laughs> in Grand Theft Auto, oh, awesome. Grand Theft Auto in, in five. 5. Yeah. Um, there's some references in the, uh, the Gorilla Games game that just won some awards at the yep. Academy. Yes. Um, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. There's some references uh, that are oh. in there. There are some references in Diablo 3. Yeah. And, uh, uh, like Torchlight had some, yeah, and yeah. There, there were two or three. So that yeah. that was. God, it, I love Torchlight. Oh, those guys. They're, I'm <laughs> so about I know. Game. I can't. Believe, but you know what? The, hopefully, there, there's a lot of talent there, and the talent. I, I know some of them, and they're they're built to be game makers. They're going to end up making other stuff. Yeah, they're going. They're going to do something so, else. Somebody's going <laughs> to. Some people are going to come from that experience and move on to other things, and those other things will will lead to new content that we'll all get to enjoy. It's a uh, it's a sad end, but um, you know, the world the world is what it is, and the market judges us <laughs> sometimes cruelly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So hey, what did but you want, just, what uh, did you want to talk about, like, Rachel? I feel well, like we, you've just been uh, making us feel good. <laughs> Well, I mean, I want you to feel good because you guys kind of deserve the accolades. It's, wow. You know, it may sound like another fangirl, but it's true. I mean, your, guy, your games, like, inspired me, oh, you know. And wow. I always tell people that um, a Gearbox game uh, is like a bunch of friends got together and made something great, <laughs> you know. There's That's what of... it always feels like. <laughs> yeah. It feels like but, a bunch <laughs> of friends. I'll... You know, got together and just started shooting the shit. I'll tell you <laughs> and what. And then they made a game. It's, <laughs> it feels really good that you say that because I think a lot of us feel like our, our company is as much a family as a company, you know, and I, I certainly feel that way. And I, I'm so grateful for the cool people I get to work with. And sometimes some of the, like, when we're in our writer's room sessions uh, with, with Randy, like, we just we just go off. And oh that's sometimes where some of the best stuff comes out. And we're just, like you said, a bunch of friends hanging out, have, trying to have fun. Those, making, are, those are high points. Yeah, those are yeah, high points. Those yeah. are great. <laughs> did, you, did, you have a qu- right, so did you have a question or something? We're going to start yeah. with, okay. <laughs> we're gonna start with um, a, a more of a gameplay question. Like, I have a Battleborn question, two Battleborn questions, but one of them is not really exactly Battleborn. It's more of a, okay. you guys as game developers, how would you think this would be handled? But um, currently, I am designing a character um, mm-hmm. for my portfolio, of course, and she's a bard. But I've been trying to picture her as like a like a bard class I would define her as a bard kind of situation and I, I just kind of you know I remember a few years ago when I see years ago it was a long time ago um, when World of Warcraft um, did that April Fool's thing and they had the bard class and you know how would you guys do the bard like in a Battleborn or Borderlands setting like how would how do you think you know that could function like I'll let, I'll let you start Randy would it be would it is it hard or something because it's not really been Something I've seen truly implemented much in RPGs is the uh, a bard class. 
Yeah, you know? but when you're when you move to a game that has an action component, right? It's always weird to, to try to imagine because traditionally your bards, you know, in RPGs are musicians, are poets. You know, they're they're storytellers, and that that I you know I I'm an old like classic EverQuest <clears throat> fan, and I was I only played a bard. In fact, the name I still go by on on Twitter, Jithri, was my bard character in EverQuest. So I've got a soft spot in my heart for bards. Uh, and EverQuest, it was weird, right? Because you had, I have a song that damages stuff. And, you know, you're you're playing your little lute or guitar or whatever, and then the enemy gl- glows red and takes a few points of damage. And, you know, I've seen some other games try that. And I think that that's like the crux of what, what you have to sort out there is what does it look like for a bard to be involved in your game's main loop? If your main loop doesn't involve combat, I think you've got some options. But if you have to do combat, you know, so bards often, like, you go to traditional D&D, you know, bard is, like, half of everything, or it's, like, a third of everything. It's, you know, a little bit of, like, mage damage, a little bit of healing magic, a little bit of thievery, a little bit of fighting. They, 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 they really are, like, the, the center dot on your Venn diagram of classes. So for you on a, you know, in a character, well, I, I would say, you know, with a bard, you, you want to, if you're, if you're putting it in a game, and that may be the thing you think about first. You're making a character for a specific game. Then you have to think about, in that game world, to play that game's action loop, what is the what is notable about your bard that does that? Like, you know, if you're putting a bard in Borderlands, oh my gosh. You know, I almost go <laughs> immediately to, like, Fury Road, to the guy on the truck with the electric guitar <laughs> sitting up yeah, there. You yeah, know, yeah. it's like, is that, is that, is that, you go, you know, yeah, like, full-on Here's campy. what I would do. Here's what I would do. I would go, if I was doing it in Borderlands, All right. I would think about it from a skill tree point of view, and I would I would think about the genres of music, okay, and yeah, I would yeah, as, yeah, I would yeah. associate them with each skill tree, and then I would associate the genre with a function. So like I'd have one of them be really heavily co-op, right, where the songs I'm playing are affecting the team buffs or the team, and it's like defense. boy band pop, right? Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's funny. <laughs> But I'd pick one. <laughs> I'd pick one that goes in that direction, and then I'd pick another one that's um, that's that's maybe more environmental. Um, yeah. But the thing is, like the the bard, um, if if you're gonna derive power from the music, it's all got to be kind of aura like. It's all got to be. Mm-hmm. It can't. You, you're not gonna have. Um, although maybe maybe one of the things you can do is have a throwout, and the throwouts where the music comes from. And it's the radius of the throw out object, right? So like you're throwing out like a like a song grenade basically. Oh and, uh, or a song yeah. turret, you know, and and you can have one that's maybe radius, you yeah. can have one that's cone, the music goes out in a cone, anything within that cone is being affected by it. So like imagine a turret that's shooting a music cone and it's like uh, a speaker gun or yeah, something. Yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. And any of the bad guys within it, they just they yeah. just stop and they just start <laughs> you know, they start rocking out. They don't even <laughs> they can't they drop their guns. Subwoofer would be the name of this bard's dog, by yeah, the way. Yes. <laughs> Subwoofer. That's so great. Oh my god. This is why you are Varnell. Oh the bad puns. Oh it's god, no, I don't want to make this character. <laughs> Subwoofer. He's got a, he's a pet class with subwoofer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and yeah. the tweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, like, you know, the action skill, I'd, I'd have to light it up. There'd be legit music that has to come out, you know, and the guy has to scream it out or sing it out or the girl or, you know, whatever the character is. Yeah. And uh, I, I think your, your fun thing there is that you, you go with that and think about how your instruments or your, your, the thing that makes the noise is visualized. If you're working on, like, models and concept art, I, I think, you know, you, you always want to find that right mix between it looks like something that, that it's not so far out that you can't interpret it out of real life. But it doesn't look like everything that you would just go down to, you know, like Sam Ash or a music store or something like that and buy off the shelf. So, you know, find that cool 
twist on on the visuals on an instrument. Like I, you know, I recognize that. That's great. And it's maybe not like I, I, I'm a big Futurama fan, and I think they play what the holophone, and mm-hmm. is that the name of the thing, the the sax that he plays, and it's a completely made up instrument that he plays holograms out yeah. of this thing, and it, yeah. it, it's it's totally, you know, it works for Futurama because they build a whole a whole episode around it, but you want to find that relatability in the character, but the music, yeah, using the music and, and using it for like aura based stuff would be yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you're doing the full design on it, you really would want to think about the style of music and the loop and how that how that coalesces you know but imagine like your skill tree and like the skills you invest in actually change what song happens it's like are you heavy metal for damage are you new age for healing or you you know you can go to that are you are you jazz for you know for 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 dexterity or something i don't know what the jazz would do jazz for just being cool you know it's like discounts at the shop i don't know what what you get with jazz that's such a fun design problem Uh, rachel i I bet we uh i bet that comes up again we go another hour on it (laughs) hey rachel i want to like i was thinking go ahead um, go ahead you do um, like a, like from a Battleborn standpoint, because of y- y'all's uh, the Helix tree yep. that you have. Um, I was thinking that if you if for a poss- a potential bar character, that what you would do is you would. I mean, because I'm trying to also think of this from like a game mechanics. Like, does yep. how does it function and does it actually work? Um, but like you'd have the two, you know, the left and right tree, all right, and then you have the middle tree, which is the mutation. Uh, but the each tree would be like a song, one. Mm-hmm. So it would be like two songs, and then the player, as they're playing this character, whatever they look like yeah. or whatever they are, the bard, you know, they remix the song while they're advancing their helix tree. Yeah, you could totally yeah. do that. In fact, there's there's some games that have played with that idea where there's kind of a throughput rhythm, and you can toggle on and off different instruments there's been lots of digital entertainment that have done this mm-hmm. uh, over the years where uh, the instrument or the the, the rhythm line uh, is chosen by the player well, and, fact, and imagine if yeah. if, if yeah. you have mutually exclusive options yeah but they all work within the same rhythm line so left right left right goes all the way down to build your song and your song's basically oh, that's, unique. That's really interesting. Yeah. yeah. Hey, um, Rachel. Yeah, that's what I, I would be doing. <laughs> that's awesome. That sounds like a good idea. I'd like you to explore that. <laughs> hey, Rachel, it's been super, <laughs> it's been super awesome talking to you. Um, we're, we're almost out of time for our show and I have, I have another caller on the line that's been waiting for a while that I'd love to chat with before we, we have to get off, but I'd love to, if you want to call back again, uh, we'll, we'll be back. Um, so, uh, thank you so much for calling. It was a pleasure chatting with you. Oh, it was pleasure talking to you guys too. Sorry awesome. for taking up all the air. No, no, it was great. It was so awesome chatting with you. I, I loved every great minute questions. of it. Thank great you questions. so much, Rachel. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> Cheers. All right, bye. 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 All right, I'm going to squeeze in John, um, and then we'll uh, then we'll then we'll wrap it. We'll, do it. we'll see. We'll see if we can do this one quickly. Wow, time flies. Hey, hello. Hey, John. Uh, you can hear me, right? I can. You're on the air with Randy and Randy. Where are you calling from, John? Hello, I'm calling from uh, New York City. Awesome. Uh, Thanks for calling from New York, John. How's the weather up there? You you holding 
holding the fort? You it's okay? freezing cold. Yeah, it's yeah. windy and cold and miserable. I heard. I heard it's like really bad conditions <laughs> up there right now. Man, it's so cold in Texas no, it's today. Awful. It's like, like it's like sixty-seven degrees here. It's terrible. And, I was. Uh, I had to use a blanket for a little bit last night. <laughs> oh, that's cruel, man. They're like, well, the there's thing people about, suffering up there. Yeah, the thing about cold, really rainy. <laughs> the thing about cold, rainy weather here is people like to abandon their umbrellas when they inevitably break uh, under the. Yeah of the wind where's, where's my umbrella so it looks like a <laughs> I, I have an umbrella somewhere Where'd it I looks put it? like a, oh you got a hand umbrella war We're happened gonna, all over the street speaking of umbrella war i'm going to show you because it did, it was raining earlier so i brought my umbrella check this is my umbrella if you can see on the stream it looks like a katana it's got a katana blade and uh oh wow yeah <laughs> and uh, but this is an umbrella so i can wield this bad boy literally and uh, yeah, I'm good to go. Hey, listen, John, we're almost out of time, but I didn't want to stop the show without taking your call. So what's on your mind? What can we talk to you about? Awesome. Uh, so I wanted to talk about, um, I, I may get some uh, flack for this, but I actually thought Duke Nukem Forever was possibly the best <laughs> Duke Nukem, wow. in my opinion. And I, I, no, I really do think that because it, it played like, it was really interesting to just, see this stereotype being put in different situations and yeah. reacting in different ways. And I just enjoyed the gunplay and I bonded with uh, uh, friends playing over uh, the online mode on, on PC back in 2011. And I was wondering, um, I'm sure you can't say much, but um, any future for the, any future uh, for the IP, any kind of, words of of well wishes for duke and his future would be great to hear awesome well i'll tell you i feel like in some ways i owe duke my career you know duke nukem 3d was the first commercial product i worked on and uh i moved out to texas to join the duke nukem team and be part of that that effort working in, in that era obviously i left 3d realms and you know built we built gearbox software uh while they were working on duke nukem forever but i'll, I'll tell you i i had some of the same feelings uh and i'll pass your thoughts along to alan bloom who is you know he, he created duke he's been with it from the very beginning and he, oh please he's, do he spent more time with with duke than any single living person alive uh and um and if he, you could get megadeth to do the soundtrack <laughs> the, the, that would complete my life yeah i don't i don't know if those guys are still recording but uh they did do one <laughs> they did do one take on grab they, they bag. did yeah, do one yeah yeah and that was pretty cool um yeah and we're you know we're still working with lee jackson and he's he contributed some new music uh to the to the um anniversary edition of duke 3d and and he actually gave us some he's working on some new tracks for us for some things but listen uh i did not help those guys get to the finish line with forever and uh get acquire the property just so that forever could come out i, I believe there is a future for duke and he's one of the most famous video game characters uh period uh, and, uh, and the trailer for ready player one. Yeah. He's in, he's in ready player one. Yeah. So there's one thing you can, you can see oh, Duke Nukem <laughs> in ready player one when it comes out this summer. And, uh, or is it, when, when is it coming out? It's actually soon. soon. It's right? actually at the end of March, March right? Yeah. 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 So, so, um, check out, you'll, you'll find that's John Cena, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's, that's a different rumor. Um, so we, we are in talks with, with a stu we're, we're in talks with the studio to make a Duke Nukem motion picture. Um, and that, that's, that's unfolding and we'll, we'll obviously have some more news about that as that works out. And I, I do see a future of great video games for Duke. Now we have to, we have a hard problem. We have to figure out what the next Duke Nukem game is. 
But um, and it's challenging to do that because I think it's really important that the next Duke Nukem game is amazing and also does something a bit revolutionary that that lets Duke be as important as we know the character can be. Um, and I think the character's got to evolve and the gameplay's got to evolve. The gameplay uh, uh, should bring something new to the table, um, but it, it should also remember where it came from and deliver on what makes past Duke Nukem games great as well. So those are those are some really big shoes to fill, and and we we've been working on that from a conceptual point of view for a while, and I've had different studios pitch me all kinds of concepts uh, and and there'll they'll, they'll be some action. There'll be some action. This is not the end of uh, Duke's story by any means. So I hope Oh, that's wonderful to hear. Awesome. And then I agree that, that it, it needs to evolve a little bit. You know, it doesn't need to completely be something totally new, but the fact that Forever went with um, a kind of Half-Life-esque adventure feel yeah. um, was, something, uh, was something really refreshing. I was expecting, you know, something... Like another Duke Nukem 3D, I would—that's what I—I I was yeah. expecting, and I was actually surprised, pleasantly surprised that it wasn't—it wasn't all that. It was yeah. a little bit more. Yeah. So, and and it's it's kind of bittersweet to me. There's a lot of folks that you know because it had uh, 15 years of being hyped and being promised as being the greatest game. Oh, ever it could made. never live up it, to it. Never. I don't lot, care lot, if yeah. you put a million dollars in each game box. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A lot of folks were really looking forward to the opportunity to to, to judge it harshly. Um, I I did not have objective eyes when I saw it. I mean, I I because I know something about the story of how that game was made, and to me, I thought it was great. But um, but I, I understand that everyone's got their own opinions, and uh, and that it did it seemed to have not lived up to expectations that were created, which makes sense given how high those expectations were. It um, couldn't, yeah. it couldn't. Uh, but, but I think one of my not jobs, possible. one of my jobs <laughs> is that I have to make sure that the next time Duke appears, that it's, it, it exceeds the expectations people have for it. And, uh, that's a difficult, Amen. Challenge. I, I wish you the best. That's a difficult challenge, but that's, that's one of my jobs that I'm going to have to tackle. But hey, thank you so much for calling John and asking about Duke. It's Duke's an important character for me and for Gearbox, and uh, you'll definitely see some different kinds of small action, like licensing, like when it, Duke appears in movies and other cameos and other products. Uh, but also, um, also some some video game stuff, and then eventually a big Duke Nukem video game, which is what I think those of us that like the character and like the gameplay are looking forward to. Well, that's great to hear. Thank you so much. Good luck. Cool. Give him, give him all your love. <laughs> we'll do the best we can. Uh, he, he's, he. I think, right. the, I think the person that could love Duke the most is Duke. <laughs> that's probably <laughs> no, true. no one could love Duke I, as much <laughs> as Duke loves Duke. <laughs> no, I love. I know so a lot of people who love Duke. <laughs> great. Uh, me too. Me too, man. Well, it's great. It's so great to hear from you, John. Thanks for calling. Um, and all right. I'm going to say you goodbye and feel free to call back some other time. And I'm going to let you go now. And Randy, I think that's our show, man. Wow. I think we did it. Time just blew right by, blew right? Through. Yeah. It's really, it's really, and you know what? I think there's a couple people that have been sitting on Discord. I'm very sorry, guys. Um, we're out of time for the show, uh, but feel free to, to call in some other time. Remember, if you call in the phone number, you tend to have preferential treatment. Uh, and uh, thanks for uh, for joining us. We didn't even get to one of our other topics. We we're going to talk about uh, violence in video games has come up again. We're going to talk. Maybe we yeah. can defer that till next week, or maybe it'll in all blow. Maybe it'll all blow over by then. We don't even need to ha blow tackle over, it. Blow up either way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, thanks everybody for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this uh, edition of the At Nerd Vinyl Live podcast. I'm sure I will be back at some point. I'm sure Randy will 
be back at some point, oh, yeah. and Nerdvana Live will be back one week from today. Cheers. <laughs>